The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. And on this podcast, we continue with our series on the reasons why AI projects fail. And if you're just tuning in, this is the first AI Today podcast episode you've ever heard. You should know, well, this is actually our fifth year. <laughs> We're over 200 and something, 20, 30 episodes into this. We've been, we've been focused on this topic of how people can actually make AI work today. That's why it's called AI Today. You know, we love the promise of AI in the future. We love all the research. We love all the, the, the possibility of what AI is. But on this podcast, we focus on the people who need to put AI into practice today. And that's hopefully you who are listening to this podcast right now. You're maybe struggling with the challenges of implementing AI, or maybe you're building solutions for the space and you need to like figure out, you know, how are you going to address today's challenges, right? And that's what we do here on this on this podcast. We we really focus on these challenges of today, and sometimes we interview thought leaders who are trying to uh, solve these problems. Maybe they've solved these problems, whether they're you know big corporations or government or agencies that are putting AI into practice, or technology providers or solution providers that have solved some of these problems. That's what we do here. And on some other episodes, we talk about the ways in which AI has successfully been applied in different industries and different use cases. And, and we also spend time taking a look at the market. You know, we take a look at, well, hey, how has, how has AI been used here? And, may, and we even look at some of the failures. Well, on this podcast series, we're specifically looking at the failures. We want to help people be successful. And one of the best ways you can help people be successful is understanding the common ways in which AI projects fail. Exactly. So Ron and I are both with Cognolytica, which is an AI-focused research, advisory, and education firm. We have many, you know, Fortune 1000 customers who are trying to actually implement useful AI systems today, right? And we've seen, you know, you may see have seen statistics out there from different consulting firms and, uh, you know, in different articles stating that a lot of projects uh, AI projects are failing. And we've been witnessing that as well. So at Cognolytica, we are advocates for best practices methodologies. And specifically, we're advocates for CPMAI methodology, which is the cognitive project management for AI, which is doing AI right. Because if you want to succeed, you need to make sure that you have a methodology for doing AI right. If you're interested in learning more, go to courses.cognolytica.com. But since we have seen all of these use cases, you know, and Ron said that there's about 10 common reasons that we've seen AI projects fail. We wanted to address it in a series of podcasts, which we're calling our AI failure series, because it's important to know what are some of the general themes and what are some of the general reasons why these projects are failing so that you, our listeners, if this is, you know, you've never implemented an AI project before, but your organization is thinking about it, or you have implemented a few and they haven't been as successful as you wanted them to be, you can learn from this. So today we're going to specifically be addressing reasons why AI projects fail, including data quantity and data understanding issues. 
So this is the third in this failure series podcast. When the previous two podcasts, which we encourage you to listen to, we talked about one of the biggest reasons for failure is running AI projects as if they're application development projects. People wonder why they fail. They fail all the time because these are data projects. Surprise, they're not application development projects. So we run into all sorts of issues when you forget about the, the fact that data has its own life cycle, right? And the second reason we talked about was the fact that people have misaligned expectations for ROI. They run these projects and they don't, and they were like, why are these projects failing? We're like, I don't know, maybe you're trying to do some sort of autonomous uh, bot that was going to roam those store shelves and you're wondering why it's failing. It's like, it's a hard problem to solve. You're solving one of the hardest problems that ROI needed to be pretty gigantic because you have like a person who's basically being paid um, that specific example, like a minimum wage, honestly, let's be honest, maybe maybe a little bit above minimum wage. They're going through and they're seeing what products are missing on the store shelf. You tell me that bot better be overperforming that human by a factor of 10 to one, because if not, it's hard to convince me that a human can't do that job better and have a good ROI. But that was the previous episode. You should go listen to that. We talk about the AI go, no go as well. And we have seven more or six more after this. So you should be subscribed. If you're not subscribed to AI Today podcast, you better be subscribed. If you want to learn about all the failure rates, don't cut yourself short and be successful in ways that you uh, should be successful and, and fail in ways that you shouldn't fail. So, you know, as mentioned here, one of these reasons, the top, one of the top three reasons, or one of the top reasons is the fact that people don't understand before they start their AI project, they don't know what data they need. And data is the heart of AI projects. We have issues with like not having a sufficient quantity of data to train the systems at the level that we say that we need to train them, or we have the wrong data, or we have data that's missing like key elements. So the question is, how do you even get that far into a data into an AI project without realizing that you're missing the data that you need or not even knowing what data you need, right? <laughs> I know. Our question is, we have no idea because if you are following a best practices methodology, then you would not have run into those issues. But, <clears throat> you know, not everybody, even though we are big advocates for it, not everybody is following methodologies. So it's important to understand data quantity issues and say, okay, and data understanding as well. You know, people can can start a project and say, all right, I think I'm going to need this data. Let's go out. Oh, I think I have access to this data. Oh, I think it's, you know, the right amount of data. All right, let's just get started. And then they quickly realize, oh, actually, I didn't have enough data. Oh, I don't have access to this data. Oh, I have all of these issues surrounding that. So it's important, you know, we cannot understate the importance of understanding the data that you have and the data quantity that you have as well, because data is at the heart of your AI projects and it is built on a foundation of data. So in our CPMAI methodology and certification course, we talk about the DIKUW pyramid. And if you're not familiar with that pyramid, it really, it, you know, it talks about, it's addressing that higher value information and operational needs. So D, it starts with data, which is, you know, at that foundation, you need to have data before you can do anything else. Once you have that data, now you can start to gain additional insights from that. So moving up, I can get information. So understanding things about my data. And then I can move up one more layer to the knowledge 
layer. How can how can I, you know, get additional insights? And then we move up one more layer to understanding and one more layer to wisdom. But it's really important that you understand that that uh, pyramid does really start with a foundation of data. Mm-hmm. The other reason why we talk a lot about the DIKUW pyramid, so data, information, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom, as Kathleen mentioned, is that we're trying to accomplish, we're trying to get different kinds of insights. So, so Kathleen mentioned insight, insight, but it's not all the same kind of insight. You know, data is just data. When someone says, um, you know, I'm doing an analysis and the data tells me this, actually, the truth is that the data doesn't tell you anything. It's the analysis of that data tells you something. Data is just data. If I have a customer record, it's just like, it's a customer record. I have another customer record. It's another customer record. The insight I get is when I connect the records together. It's like, oh, this customer has a purchase transaction. Let me take a look at multiple transactions, tie them together. Now I have some information. The information gives me the who, what, where, and when about the data. It's like, oh, now I know that it's a customer purchasing something. Now I can do an evaluation. Like, how much do they buy? Are they one of my top customers? Are they buying something really popular? Where are they buying it from? Are they <laughs> different countries? You know, are they buying something that, that's unusual? Is there some sort? That's information. But in order to now, I need to get some find some patterns. Well, what does it mean when I have these purchasing behaviors? That's the knowledge, the K level, and that's actually where machine learning lies. Machine learning doesn't really give us a lot of I value. It gives us a lot of K value because it's telling us how to find patterns in this information. Yes, I see this purchase transaction history, but how does this purchase transaction match against others? Is there a pattern here? Maybe I should be recommending products. Maybe I should be doing some personalization thing. Maybe I can recognize images and do some image recognition or a conversational pattern or any of the other seven patterns. This is where machine learning is strong. And once you get above that, we go to the U level, which is the why. Understanding, well, why are these patterns happening? This is actually where machine learning is not very good. This is actually where we start to see the limitations of machine learning. This is called machine reasoning. To know the why is when you talk to Alexa or Siri and you ask a question about, should I wear a raincoat tomorrow? It doesn't really understand that you're asking about the weather. It, it, it maybe has a, it uses some key phrases, but it's a human that has to provide that insight to the machine because the machine doesn't really know what rain is. It doesn't know what weather is. It just, someone has coded like, oh, if they're asking about rain, I'm going to put in this little knowledge graph that they're probably asking about the weather. But you know, if they're asking about the song Chocolate Rain, which is on YouTube, it doesn't know that. You know, uh, There's another thing I talk about, like if you have a purchase behavior, I'm buying tents. Um, maybe in the general case, it knows that maybe I'm interested in camping and I could find sort of like my correlation and I do my little purchasing recommendation system. And I recommend other things that usually go along with camping and tents and you know s'mores and things like that. But what if I'm buying a tent for like a rave or for some sort of star watch party? How does it not, it's not going to recommend a telescope for me, even though that might be the exact thing that I'm looking for next, because it doesn't know, it doesn't understand. Systems don't know these things. So one of the reasons why we see AI project failures is actually trying to apply AI at the wrong level of the DIKUW, either too low, doing something like, why don't we just use basic reporting? Basic reporting will give you just as much value as a machine learning system. We have a story to tell about how Amazon was, uh, with their Amazon Prime was going to give um, recommendations on, on, on movies to watch. And they found that no machine learning algorithm performed better than just listing the top 10 movies and recommending the top 10, which is simply counting literally which movies have been viewed the most and ranking it and saying, well, this one's been viewed a million times. This one's been viewed 900 something thousand times. I will show you the million one first, another. 
You don't need machine learning for that. It's just a basic database query. It took a long time for them to find a machine learning model that actually performed better. And by performed better, they meant one that actually got people to click and watch another movie. That's because it was applied too low. Similarly, we have people trying to like have uh, voice assistants do all sorts of things that they're just not good at because they don't understand. There's no understanding. This is why a lot of autonomous vehicles are running into problems. They can see the road. They know what's happening, but they don't understand. They have K, but no U. They don't understand that a a person who's walking a bicycle across the street is probably a collision that they should avoid and not just run into, which is exactly what happened that Uber fatality. So understanding where the machine learning model should be applied helps you also understand sort of what data you need because you're using the right data to come to the right conclusions. But maybe you don't, maybe people haven't learned their lessons from big data, right? (laughs) Right. So hopefully by now at your organization, you are successfully managing big data. You know, this is this has been around for quite some time. We can take some of what big data has taught us and really use it for artificial intelligence because we've gone from that collecting data, you know, where where we just get the data, then now we're understanding it and then we're turning it into knowledge, right? So we're moving up that DIKUW pyramid. Big data is a lot more, hopefully our listeners know this, uh, you know, than just the actual amount of data that you have. People talk about the four Vs or the eight Vs of data, but it's really more than just, you know, that sheer quantity. Yes, of course, volume of data is one of the Vs. So, you know, you, you can deal with that very large amount of data, but we also have velocity. So that's data in motion. You know, data can come in a lot of different forms. We can have streaming data. We can have, uh, you know, all different t- types of data. Also, we have variety, right? So we have structured data where, you know, the, that's the data that we like, right? Because it's in normally in um nice columns and rows and it's labeled and you can query it really easy, but then we have a lot of unstructured data. So that can be emails or that could be audio files or that could be video files. In fact, the majority of the data that we have is unstructured. It could be text. It could be multimedia files. So we have a lot of different types of files. And then we also have veracity. So that can be data in doubt. You know, not all data is created the same and that's important to understand. So there can be some uncertainty in that data due to a variety of different issues, depending on where you're pulling it from. Maybe there's been some mergers that have happened and, you know, data is coming in from a lot of different sources. So which data is correct? You can have ambiguous data. There can be latency as well. So some data um, gets pulled in maybe every minute. Other data gets pulled in, you know, um, monthly or daily. So you just need to make sure that you have an understanding of all that. There's a lot of, you know, so that's the four Vs and there's, there's eight Vs of data. But in general, Big data has taught us how to successfully manage all of that, you know, the amount of data that we have, the volume, if data is in motion or data is at rest, the different forms that we can have. Also dealing with, you know, not like I said, not all data is created the same. So big data has really helped us now to understand and get a good manage on all of that. So I think, you know, one of the things we need to think about here, understanding what this is all about, is that we need to know that if we're trying to build an AI system, we need to understand the kind of data that we need to make the model work and all the Vs. P 
people often think about just one of those Vs. They think usually about the most obvious V, which is the volume V, which is big data means quantity. But that's actually not the biggest problem because we figured out, we, we kind of figured out how to store a lot of data. And actually data storage is pretty cheap. And even querying a lot of data is, is not so hard. But if that data keeps changing, if it's changing every minute, and if the data is literally coming in in like a million different flavors, and some of the data is accurate, some of it's really old, and I'm mixing new data and old data, this is where we get into a lot of problems. And if you ignore the other Vs of big data, and you're trying to build a machine learning model that's doing some maybe predictive analytics, and you don't account for all the other Vs, you're going to fail, right? This comes, again, to project failure. You know, I think the, the other thing about it is that the vast majority of data in the enterprise is unstructured data. So as Kathleen mentioned, structured data has rows and columns. It's got a schema, well-defined, easily queryable. That's the thing about structured data. If I have a database of employee information, I have a field called first name and last name. If I want to find all the last names or the ages, I could, and it's in the record, it's got a column. I can just simply query it, aggregate it, do a select. It's all good. Get, you know, good at SQL, I can make it work. But if I have employee data that's just a bunch of documents and PDF files, I can't just do search all PDF where employee name is, you know, Jim Smith. That's impossible. I got to do something. Well, this answer is, of course, we need natural language processing. We need OCR. We need image recognition. We need document classification. This is what machine learning is good for. But if I tell you that every single, let's say I'm doing contracts, right? I'm trying to find uh, employee contracts. If every contract is literally different, right? <laughs> you know, looks different, different fonts, different sizes, maybe the papers are different colors, man, you're in for a world of hurt. You know, try to build a machine model, model that works on that. That's going to be, you're going to be spending all of your time just cleaning up the data. You won't even get to, to building model. When you build your model, it'll only work on a subset of the data, it'll only work on the, on the data where it's really clean. The document's been maybe scanned and it's perfectly straight. And, and you know, maybe it's digital first, but it doesn't work on scan data. This is where you get into trouble because if you don't understand the nature of the actual real world data you're working on, and you build for some sort of like really ideal, I don't know, pristine, idealistic uh, understanding of what the data is, it won't work in the real world. Um, you know, I think all the time, you know, there's these great applications where you could take photos of plants and it'll identify the plants, and they actually work pretty well. And I think to myself, what data did they use to train that? Because somebody must have had like pictures of plants in all different lighting situations and different levels of quality, zoomed in, zoomed out, different angles, obstructions. But they work pretty well. And I think it's because they understood, the people understood the data. Meanwhile, you have other applications. You do basic recognition. The thing can barely even recognize you know, something that it's supposed to recognize, like, you know, some of these check scanners, it's like you have the check at a weird angle, it says fail. It's like, so I have an app that works with plants, but it doesn't work with checks. Come on. So, you know, this comes down to building your model and you're going to be successful. You will be successful with your model if you understand the data that you have, the data that's needed to the model, the, the, the data quality that's there, the, the size and scope and of that data. But you will be, you will fail without a doubt if you don't. I want to mention something here uh, about some 
say, minor celebrities <laughs> in the AI space. You may or may not know Andrew Ng. Andrew Ng uh, is one of the uh, very well known. He's, he's done a good job getting himself out there, getting his companies funded. And, and he's, a, he's a deep learning expert. Uh, he, he founded uh, Coursera and uh, you know deep learning.ai, I think, or something like that. And a few other companies, uh, landing.ai. And he is just seen as like the expert in uh, deep learning. He has been quoted very recently in the past few months in 2020 and talking about how high the failure rate is of uh, AI. And he's quoted specifically when talking about radiology imagery because it is pretty, let me tell you, it is pretty bad. The failure rate uh, is such that there's been a bunch of articles that have talked about how bad the AI systems uh, are at detecting basic things. It said that only, and actually we could share this, this, this article if you're not familiar with it, 5% of users reported that AI works, while 94% are reporting inconsistent performance of radiology images, identifying basic things to help the radiologists in their, in, their, in their practice. It says in this article, only 40 of the more than 80 radiology algorithms were cleared, and only 34 of them were used for image interpretation. Other ones were just basically scanning the, the work, the natural language processing that the radiologists were doing. So it's only checking what the radiologists already did. And the bottom line is only 11% of radiologists were using images, AI for image recognition. This is after the most notable of deep learning experts and his company spent millions of dollars and their effort and the best GPUs and the, and the best data and they're failing. Are you going to tell me that you're going to build a team that has somebody who knows more about deep learning than, than uh, Andrew Ng? What is the problem? What is the problem? Is this an algorithm problem? Is deep learning the problem? Well, how are you telling me that like a uh, guy named Alex Measure, who we've interviewed in a, in a previous um, AI Today episode, is able to use natural language processing AI to, uh, to basically very accurately categorize workplace injury data? How is Alex Measure? who is an economist, he's not even a deep learning expert, how is he able to get a 90 plus percent success rate, right, for his project? And Andrew Ng has a 94% failure rate, right? The answer is data. And the other answer is misaligned expectation, over-promising and under-delivering. I don't want to foreshadow one of our later podcast episodes here. This is clearly a misalignment and a misunderstanding of data. You know what? Radiology imagery, maybe the variety of radiology imagery is just not the kind of, of, of data that actually can work with a high level of reliability for a machine learning system. And maybe, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe there's a misunderstanding of data. And, you know, uh, Andrew will tell you like, oh, we need MLOps, we need DevOps. No, 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 no. We don't need MLOps. MLOps will not solve this problem. MLOps will not make radiology imagery detection with AI better. It'll just basically tell you how bad your data really is, right? <laughs> I know. So again, you know, hopefully you're understanding this. Another reason that we've seen projects fail, a general theme that we've seen projects fail is around data quantity and also the understanding of data as well, because that's incredibly important. So a few years ago, you know, Ron had mentioned this, with the AI was promised to revolutionize radiology and that we thought, you know, people in the industry, it was projected that it was going to be a first pass for radiologists and an AI program is going to be a first pass for radiologists, was going to help improve accuracy. And unfortunately, we are seeing that that is not the case. So I will definitely link to that article in the show notes where we mentioned that as well. But 
it's really important, you know, make sure if you don't want to be a statistic, make sure that you have data understanding. If you are following a best practices methodology, including the CPMAI methodology, we have an entire phase that talks about data understanding. So once you've addressed your business understanding, make sure that you're addressing your data understanding. If you'd like to learn more about the course, definitely go to courses.cognolytica.com and you can check it out and you can also register. Make sure that you get certified on best practices methodologies, including CPMAI, because that is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. So go on. Yeah, I, and you know, I, I, we talk a lot about about this methodology stuff. I, I, I'm I'm still puzzled why why people think that not having any sort of standard approach to doing AI will lead to success. When we talked about this, of course, two two episodes more ago, and we talk about this all the time. It's like not having a methodology is actually really probably one of the best ways to guarantee failure. It's sort of like everybody runs their AI project a different way. People are skipping steps. There's no sort of check on quality. There's no sort of iteration path. There's no sort of specific mention. The very first thing you need to do is match your AI project against very specific business requirements. And also ask yourself nine questions about whether or not you can even do the AI project. Do I have the right data? That's this whole point we just asked here. Do I even have the right data? And you might say, no, I don't have the right data, but I will get it. You should realize that if the answer to the question, do I have the right data, is not a solid yes, but a maybe, you are risking failure. And, but like somehow, I don't know, somehow major corporations are running their AI projects like as if they're um, college projects, like as if they're just like proof of concept. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go back to criticizing Andrew Ring because I might as well. You know, um, he actually talks about the fact that there is a proof of concept to production gap. He actually uses those words, proof of concept to production gap. And we will ask who in their right mind would treat a critical thing like using AI for radiology as a proof of concept. If you wanna do proof of concept, go find your local university, go find really eager data science students and tell them this is a capstone project. We're not gonna take this seriously. Go ahead, here's some radiology images, go figure it out. But we're not gonna take it seriously because that's exactly what you're gonna get. You're gonna, if you treat it like a proof of concept, that's another foreshadowing for another future episode, you will guarantee that you will not be successful. And here we have Andrew Ng talking about this. I, I am ashamed. I, I, I'm honestly really ashamed at our industry for, for, for listening to people who, who are really great researchers, great academics, giving them lots of money mm-hmm. and failing on even basic uh, methodology, which I guess seems really boring. Um, I, and people are like, I will invest in Agile, but I will come up with random methodologies or use the scientific uh, approach. No, 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 no. There are well-established methodologies for this. And you know, certification is probably one of the cheapest things you can do. Bring your whole team through CPMI. I tell you what, I'll give you guys, you come here with your team, you get 10 or more people, I will give you, we'll give you a fantastic deal on CPMI certification. We're not here to basically, this is not our primary business, is basically doing training. We're here to basically guarantee your project success. We want you to be successful. You put your team through CPMAI. And then later you can decide whether or not you want to use it. That's your decision on whether or not you want to be successful or not. But the very least, you should have the knowledge on how to do it. Don't be treating your AI projects like some sort of academic project just because the people who are who are right now the leaders of AI, they're all academics. Mm-hmm. So, you know, deep mind, bunch of academics, right? Don't get me started. These are not people who have successfully run major projects, but somehow we're giving them hundreds of millions of dollars to solve radiology imagery. We're telling them to build autonomous vehicles and we're wondering why these things are failing. 
yeah, we're getting getting a little upset here. We're, it's getting too late to be, if we want AI to be successful, to, to be playing these kind of games. Exactly. And, you know, that's why we continue to stress this as well. And we thought that was an, it was incredibly important to have an AI failure series because not everybody likes to talk about the failures. They just want to talk about the successes or they want to talk about the potential use cases, but not really dig deep into the failures and kind of brush it under the rug. And we're saying we have seen way too many projects fail or too many organizations go down a path for failure before they have implemented the CPMAI methodology. So please do not be one of them. Hopefully we have given you a lot of reasons why we've seen projects fail around data quantity and data understanding issues in this podcast. If you're interested in checking out additional podcasts in our AI failure series, I encourage you to check them out. We have some coming up, including around data quality issues, also iteration time and POC versus pilots and more. So make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can get notified of all of our additional episodes and definitely check out previous episodes as well, including we've already published a few in our AI failure series. And it's important to listen to all of them. You know, one is not more of an important reason than another. And it's important to have that holistic picture of why these AI projects can fail to make sure that yours does not. We also have our AI education series, and we have additional episodes coming out with that as well, including our managing data for AI episode. Um, And go back and check out the ones that have been previously published. There's some really great ones, including thinking and acting like a data scientist and more. We also have some upcoming interviews with really great thought leaders in the space, including folks from IBM, Albert King, who's the CDO of the Scottish government, and commissioners from the NSCAI. So we definitely encourage you to check those out as well. As mentioned, if you are a if you, if you do subscribe to the podcast, you'll get notified of all of those podcasts. And we'll definitely make sure to link to the articles that we've discussed and also our education and methodology and certifications as well. We have the CPMAI methodology and certification, which you can find out at courses.cognolytica.com. And we also have an ethical and responsible AI certification as well. As more and more organizations and government agencies are looking to implement AI, they're also making sure that they want to have AI be used ethically and responsibly. And they are looking for people who are certified on this. So definitely make sure to check out our course. It's super cheap. It's $995. Definitely make sure to check it out. And if you bring a team there, we'll happily offer you a discount as well. So you can reach out to us and we will get that squared away. So if you've enjoyed listening to this, we have gotten some incredible, uh, you know, reach out from our listeners and they've also rated us and given us some good reviews. We always love to hear your feedback. So please do make sure to rate us on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you at the next episode. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at Cognolytica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolytica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. 
This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. Bye.